We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Pilato. Today we got a little bit of Giants football to talk about. Training camp is underway. First padded practice Monday, today. And obviously, that's a different, a little bit of a different breed of practices. I'm not there, even though I was at training camp last year and the year before. Nick Filato, obviously, he's a little disappointed because he was supposed to head over there to training camp this week. Both of us got the kibosh on it. There's limited media access, so bear with us. We will be going over and obviously crediting all the reporters who have reported from today's camp practice. Um, In addition to breaking down some new news with the Giants and just different interesting things that have developed throughout the practice today, prior practices, even though obviously they weren't padded, and just recent transactions, it's going to be a real catch-up day here on the Big Blue Banter Podcast as we dive into some of the developments and go a little deeper on these players. But I first wanted to start off by asking Nick how things are. What's life like in the Filato uh, world? Oh, the Filato world's going lovely there, Dan. It's just uh, same old stuff. North Jersey, man, I'm just really ramping towards this season, doing a lot of fantasy coverage for Big Blue View, doing the other podcasts over there at Big Blue View. Subscribe, download, rate, review. Thank you very much. And I'm um, just having a really good time and uh, hoping that the uh, 
New York Giants can actually get the season going and hopefully be solid this season. I mean, it seems like there was a lot of news within the division of uh, injured players, which is something we never hoped for. But Gerald McCoy and Javon Hargrave, two really talented defensive linemen, both went down for the Eagles and Cowboys. Yeah, that was some big news. Um, it was really, it was sad to watch that Gerald McCoy video. He was, you know, doing an, he was operating as an offensive lineman in a defensive line drill. And just, that just goes to show you how fluky some of these injuries are. When people talk about injury prone, prone players, well, Gerald McCoy has not been an injury prone player's career. And he just got injured for the season on an incredibly fluky drill where he just must have stepped wrong, whatever it may be. And he's out for the season. That's a blow for the Cowboys, but it's hard to feel bad for a team like that after they signed Everson Griven for who I believe is the best pass rusher on the market to begin with, let alone remaining. I would have taken him over Clowney any day as far as pass rush goes. They got him for $3 million, I think, $3.5 million. It's, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches there. Everybody wants to be a Cowboy, it seems. Um, they take those lower-level deals. But the good news, at least, uh, personally speaking, is that I'm back into the weightlifting game started to get rolling on that i'm probably i don't know five six workouts in two leg days two back days two chest days a couple shoulder days in there it's really starting to feel good to finally get back in the gym crazy dan you seen any gains seen a little bit of gains not you know when you first get back into it you're not going to see immediate gains but you'll start to see kind of the body shape a little differently um per your actually you know um what's the word not not request per your suggestion i've actually started taking casein protein which i feel like i haven't done i hadn't done since college days when i was really into the gains that gains game so finally got back into that that's a good thing to cap your night with i think it could probably it's probably making it doing a good job helping me kind of make these gains I'm, i'm definitely feeling the gains in the actual weight room um as i'm able to do more than i was able to do and for longer more importantly uh more reps without tiring out the muscles but it's just good to be back there and then on the positive side as you said we're ramping up towards the football season well guess what there's some good news there too today albert breer posted a covid update and three people came off the covid list today zero came on league-wide number on covid list is down to just 12 total a lot of those are just hanging over there's been almost no it's been really 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 good and the on the covid front and the good news with that is practices have started the Giants obviously started their first pad of practice today but this is not you know the Giants weren't the first team to hit the pads there have been teams who have been practicing and they're keeping numbers down now I'm still obviously worried about in season when these rookies and younger players I'm not as worried about the vets but when the rookies and younger players you know it's going to be tough to stay inside for five months and not want to do anything um and that's really the biggest issue here but you know look at it on the positive side the NFL seems like they're gonna they're gonna force this one in so let's just let's just let's just hope it works out yeah, the covid thing is definitely obviously the main point of interest in the off season. but again like i alluded to before the injuries too i felt like today and yesterday it was a brutal brutal i mean jalen hurd also went down he's done for the year it just seems like a lot of yeah. uh, not i don't want to say huge name guys but important players players who were supposed to break out are starting to suffer that injury bug i hope it doesn't plague the giants yeah i mean listen that's going to be a byproduct potentially of these guys not going through the normal spring OTAs, the mandatory minicamp, the workouts, hanging around the facility. It's just life in the NFL for this weird COVID shortened season. But, you know, right now, so far at least, the Giants have been on the positive end of that injury bug. Um, Leonard Williams started camp with a minor hamstring injury, but was acti- was activated early and was pretty active from what I read today in practice. Had a couple really nice uh gap shoots and penetrations in the run game so that's something you like to see from a guy who obviously was dealing with injury earlier in camp um 
But yeah, so far so good on the injury front for the Giants. A few transactions I want to dive into with you, Nick, before we dive into news and notes from today's practice and talk a little more in depth about the players from today's practice. The first one is the Giants decided, and this is one that you know we were all looking forward to, but and I mean not this part of it, but they today was officially they released uh, Chandler Catanzaro, the the kicker they signed for a week or two before they then obviously signed Graham Gano. I think we both agree this was a, a big upgrade for the kicking game, something we really wanted to see. Gano has the experience with Thomas Begay, the special teams coordinator during their Carolina days. Gano, just as recently as 2018, was one of the best kickers in the NFL, was going to be that way last year and just kind of got Wally pipped by Joey Sly, who was awesome. He was downright awesome for them. Good but reference. just But just a year ago, I mean, this is a guy who nailed the 63-yarder to destroy the Giants in a, in a game they should have won. So this guy has been a great kicker his whole career from an accuracy standpoint, has leg strength too. Obviously, it's a little different kicking in MetLife than it is in Carolina or anywhere else. But I think this is an excellent addition. I think kicker's important. I was not comfortable with Chandler Catanzaro. I was not comfortable. I didn't like him during his days with the Jets. I was very uncomfortable with that situation. And I've gone from a, a position that I think is probably more valuable than most fans do for being uncomfortable to just pretty much completely comfortable and excited, really, about what Gano can do. Yeah, Gano, he hit 87.5% of his field goals in 2018. 2017, it was 96.7, which is really an astronomical number when you really think about it. That was a, a big year for him. I want to say 2018, he was a pro bowler as well. And then, like you said, Wally Pipp, 2019 gets injured. Joey Sly comes in, takes over. Next thing you know, he's a cap casualty. So when you have a talented player who ends up being a cap casualty, he's going to get scooped up. And I'm glad that the Giants were the beneficiary of this because we've talked about it on previous podcasts. Brandon McManus, Matt Bryant, the Giants have kind of let a lot of players go. Now it seems like they let a lot of players go who ended up having success in other places. Hopefully the Giants are uh, going to be the beneficiary of uh, the fact that Carolina had to let him go because of cap casualties and the fact that Joey Sly just was a lot cheaper and still relatively as effective. Right, and there's going to be a lot of kicker movement going forward. There's going to be teams scrambling for kickers, at least two to three more teams. I'm glad that, most likely, the relationship that Gano had with Dave Gettleman during his time there and the relationship they had with McGay during his time there, that played a role in his quick decision to join the Giants because he's gonna, he would have had other options if he waited. There's going to be other injuries, and this is an upgrade. This is a big upgrade to me. It, a case can strongly be made that it's really an upgrade over what the Giants had last season. I mean, Aldrick Rose is, by all measures, one of the worst kickers in the NFL last season. Was he an all-pro, the all-pro, the first-team all-pro the year before? Yes. Does he have a generational leg that I don't like giving up on? Yes, but he obviously also has some mental issues that I can only imagine plagued him a bit in 2019 because it really doesn't make sense what happened to him last season. And then he had a bad offseason off the field. So to me, it's a no-brainer. They signed Daylon Mack, and this is not to be uh, conf- confused with Dylon from uh, from the old Dave Chappelle show, but this is Daylon Mack. This guy is a completely different <laughs> a human being. He's six foot one, three hundred forty pound, zero tech nose. Another nose for the team, which you may be saying, why are the Giants going back into the interior defensive line game? But what I'm saying is, there's some untapped talent here. A 2019 fifth round pick by the Ravens, only a fifth rounder because he plays the nose and because noses never get picked. I mean, I remember Andrew Billings when he came out to me, looked like a surefire first rounder, went in like the fourth to the Bengals and has been a great player since basically only because he was a zero tech. This to me seems like a smart, savvy move by the Giants. 
Yeah, Dave Gettleman can't help himself, though, Dan. He just can't. He, he sees a nice big defensive lineman. What's he going to do? He's going to add him to the New York Giants roster, but I support the move, you know? I mean, you brought in Austin Johnson, who's a little bit more athletic than Dalen Mack, and Johnson's not even an athletic defensive lineman, and that's not necessarily a knock on Mack. In these short-yarded situations, if Mack does end up making the squad, which is not a guarantee, he's going to come through. You line up Dalvin Tomlinson, Dalen Mack, and... Dexter Lawrence next to each other. That is beef, bro. That is major beef. And Dalen Mack, I remember, I studied him at Texas A&M. I got to, uh, I wasn't his um, defensive line uh, team leader at the Senior Bowl because I was the team leader for the North team, but he was on the South team because he went to Texas A&M. But him and uh, Kingsley Kiki, who's also in the NFL right now, were both talented guys down there at the Senior Bowl. And I remember him in the one-on-ones. It was He could not be moved off the line of scrimmage. I watched a couple of his games as well, and he was, again, limited athletically, but still could not be moved off the line of scrimmage. So I think there's still value in that. I'm not 100% sure in this really, really deep room if he's going to crack the squad. But if he does, he's going to find his way onto the field in those third and short situations, goal line situations. And I was going to say, remember, with this team, there's two things you have to keep in mind throughout the rest of the time as long as Joe Judge is here. One, the Giants are going to be a very matchup-based team. There's going to be different personnel packages. They're rotating in where a guy like Daylon Mack, who, you know, on a few on a pass defense would have no no room, no way to crack this, not only crack this roster, but get on the field, more importantly. But now he might have a spot. There might be packages. You mentioned goal line, short yardage. Those packages could come up at different times, too. One. And two, remember, this is a defense that, like the Patriots, is going to want to build that wall. Like the Lions. You look at Patricia, Belichick. It's the same defense, essentially, with Patrick Graham. They want to build that wall with their defensive line. That's the objective. This is a very, very, very different objective, by the way, to what James Betcher preached and what he asked from the defensive lineman. There's going to be a little bit of a learning curve there. I don't think much. It's an interior defensive line. It's a not it's not rocket science at that position i don't think i I mean i'm not trying to take anything away from them but i think learning to build playing this style of defense isn't going to be anything foreign to them they're going to pick it up pretty fast but with that said you could get a guy six foot one 240 who has talent was picked by a team that drafts players better than any team in the nfl in the ravens and just literally didn't make that roster because they have even more zero techs than the Giants do, especially after trading for Clayus Campbell. It's another, and he's not a zero tech, but he's another IDL that they just have to throw into the mix there. And they're already loaded there. So this feels like talent that fell through the cracks um, at a, on a team where it was kind of just over-fluctuated. You know, they were over-fluctuated with talent on the interior. And I'm intrigued to see what he can do in camp. But last bit of news before we dive into today's practice, um, and that's... The arraignment has been set for DeAndre Baker. What a, what a sad story this really has been. This is, to me, one of the most devastating stories for the Giants. It's essentially the equivalent of a season-ending injury. Hopefully it doesn't end up being season-ending. But the arraignment's set for September 15th, which is after the Giants opener. He's on the commissioner's exemplist. So obviously, you know, he's facing minimum prison sentence of 10 years in life if convicted. Who knows what's going to happen there. He's charged with four counts of robbery with a firearm. And even if he, you know, this arraignment set for September 15th, which is after the opener, uh, even if things go all well, I can't imagine he's back on the field before maybe the midseason point at best at this point. This is a blow that I'm not sure they're going to be able to come back from with Baker on the field this season. And I know it's crazy to say because Baker was a massive liability in that Betcher defense, but this is just not a secondary, in my opinion, I can afford. I, I'm watching these receiver drills. We'll, we'll talk about them in a minute. Eh, these corners just look, I mean, we're, we, 
Corey Ballantyne's getting beat by just about everyone who's got we're talking about you know <laughs> receivers that you you know CJ Board's beating him okay this is somebody they just picked up this is he's a six round pick I, I'm just worried really really worried and and for me it's like Nick there's the big problem for me is this I know that if they don't figure this cornerback situation out, it doesn't matter what's going to happen in that front seven. If you have guys that are really struggling uh, on the outside in the, at, at the cornerback position, and I've seen it before in the past with the Giants, and you know now we're relying on a man-heavy scheme, so it's like it's really nerve-wracking. But the news is the news, and that's Baker arraignment set for September 15th. I guess we're at this point kind of ruling him out. Sam Beal ruled out, opted out. Yeah. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not encouraged whatsoever by DeAndre Baker playing in 2020 for the New York yeah. Giants, or maybe even ever donning a New York Giants uniform again. I'm kind of written them out in my mind, which is really unfortunate because this secondary. I think the Giants and Dave Gettleman they constructed this team like we've talked about to have a solid secondary. They invested in the secondary, and then really kind of variables that they really cannot control ended up altering that. And now they're going into a season with a suspect secondary and a pass rush that really needs to be schemed up. It's not a good recipe. There might be a lot of shootouts with Daniel Jones coming coming this season because I could see the Giants' defense being a bottom three defense in the league if they cannot hold up. Now, I hope Patrick Graham can implement, uh, you know, implement his scheme in that simplified fashion to where these players pick it up but if you don't have the jimmies and joes it's not going to matter offenses are going to target whoever that second boundary cornerback is and just pick on him and that's even that's with us in mind saying that the slot is going to be solidified which we both know total projection total projection so really we're relying so heavily on james bradbury being it but he could be it everything that we hoped for as giants fans and the defense can still be absolute trash because who's playing on that second side. If the Giants can't figure that out, the Giants might be up Shit's Creek a little bit, dude. And I'll be honest with you, Nick, I've watched a lot of Bradbury. I know you've watched even more than me. It is a bit of a, even for me, it is a bit of a stretch. To me, when I watch him, he's not a Stephon Gilmore. He's not a Tredavious White. He's not a lockdown one. I I agree with you, but I think he is an above average starter. He's a solid asset. He's a great asset. I'm happy. I'm happy to pay him. They need to spend this cap somewhere. It's hard to find boundary cornerbacks in this league. They had to freaking trade up to get one in DeAndre Baker, and now look what happened there. Uh, you know, they signed Janoris Jenkins because they couldn't find one. They had to give him big money. They tried Eli Apple. That didn't work, you know. So it's not easy to find these guys. And thank God they got Bradbury. Can you imagine if they struck out <laughs> at, at the boundary cornerback market They in free agency? They'd be just absolutely screwed. But I, I watch Bradbury. I, I don't see the guy who I'm re- – he's going to get burned sometimes. And he's going to be relied on all the time in these one-by-threes where he's just the, the lone man on an island as the as Graham goes crazy with these blitzes and uses these safeties in, in, in different ways. And, you know, even he's going to get burned at times. I I think the path to the Giants winning this season, if they don't find a way to find a boundary cornerback in free agency or something, I guess, at this point, is going to be the way the Cowboys won games in, in Dak's first season, and that was just controlling the ball on offense, dominating time of possession, keeping their defense off the field as much as possible and just shortening the hell out of these games. And I think there's a path to that. And I think I'm starting to see some positive things on offense, which we'll get to in today's practice and just kind of development there. I'm way, 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 way more optimistic about this offense this season. Way more optimistic. Um, 
it, it's so hard for me to be optimistic about this defense with this cornerback situation. I don't even care about the pass rush. I don't. I think they'll scheme up ways there. That's not a problem. But if these guys can't cover, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the ball's out. And then what? And then these guys are not in position. Um, and, and I don't know if Patrick Graham is going to be able to run the defense that he wants right. because he wants well, to run man coverage. Yeah, he wants to run man coverage. But if you do not have the, the personnel to do so, you're going to have to rely more on zone. Yeesh. You're gonna, and you know what zone coverage is, and even in this COVID-shortened offseason, I think zone coverage is going to be more effective because it can be tend to be more complicated with spacing and timing mm-hmm. and things like that. I think zone coverage with the cohesion with the defense may be altered for zone-heavy teams, and I don't know where the Giants are going to be able to do when they want to run man, but they're going to get burnt with man. They're going to have to maybe transition to a more zone-based defense when they haven't had as many reps doing that because obviously this offseason has been absolutely nuts. That could also end up burning the Giants if they aren't, practicing zone coverage as much as they maybe should be because by week two or three they might have to run more zone coverage because they're just getting absolutely annihilated in man coverage yeah uh, let, let's let's focus let's, let's <laughs> yeah. shift over the offense because there is <laughs> actual optimism that me and nick have for this offense a lot we of really optimism. do yeah and again there's a path to success there's a path to potential increase in wins from last season for a lot of reasons there's a this is the best giant we were going to do a whole podcast and we still might if we do take the time to research it but this to us is easily the best coaching staff i've seen this team field in years maybe even better than a coffin coach staff you're talking about a former head coach in brett bioma who's also coached on the patriots defense he's an assistant coach you're talking about uh What's his name? Freddie Kitchens. You don't like him in Cleveland? Yeah, he wasn't a great head coach. Guess what he's going to be great at as a position coach? you got a head coach, a position coach. Jason Garrett? Okay, he's not the greatest head coach. He's bad in late clock situations, all the things that he doesn't have to do anymore. Well, he gets to be a position coach. He gets, he gets to run the offense. And I like a lot of what I've seen from Patrick Graham. He agrees with me on a lot of principles. Play a lot of man and blitz often and be aggressive. I'm good with that. I like that. And that's neglecting to mention guys like Coach Spencer, who Penn State was so yes. upset that they lost so upset. Sean Spencer. So I totally agree. I think this staff could be incredibly good. And I think that's perfect with what the Giants have right now in a young team. They need a strong staff. That's what they need. And even you got Jerome Henderson, who's their defensive backs coach, spent a lot of time down there in Atlanta, too. So I, they retained Tyke Tolbert. They retained Thomas McGahey, two, yes. two of the better Giants coaches from the previous regime. So I love the staff that Joe It's a great assembled. staff. And that could be really, we could see those dividends this year, but we could also more likely see them in 2021. Yes. But I really also like, and this is to show some back, because there is optimism that I have on the defense. And I like this system a lot because I look at what the Ravens have done. I look at what the Patriots done. I look at what the Chiefs have done. And this was a change for Spagnuolo, by the way. But I read an article about this and he had some great quotes on this. These three teams who were three of the best defense in the NFL, you look at DVOA, the Chiefs, less so, but they came on late as a defense. But let's just focus on the Patriots and Ravens. It's a similar system to the Giants. It's almost identical. What are they doing? They're taking. At, they're not focusing as much on filling the run. They're, they'll use their wall, their interior defensive line wall. They'll build the wall, like we've talked about. But they're not going to put as many guys in the box to stop the run. They're willing to give up rushing yards. That is so forward-thinking in today's NFL. Give up rushing yards. Who cares? Focus on putting more guys in coverage. Now, that works to some extent. You still need guys in the, There's always going to be a one-on-one matchup, and a good quarterback's always going to find a one-on-one matchup. So you need guys who can cover in the one-on-one matchup. But put more guys in coverage. Give up some yards in the run game. I think that's where they're moving from a system standpoint. And it's not even – you're right about the building the wall, but it's not even just like, hey, we'll give up running yards. It's we're going to spill the run. We're going to yeah. force the offensive uh, ball carrier, the, the running back, to – 
bounces run outside. And that means he's going to be running more horizontally, not picking up as many north and south yardage. And that's where those forced defenders on the outside, even guys like Grant Haley last mm-hmm. year who were really aggressive as nickelbacks and in the slot, great run defenders. That's where those guys come in and make key clutch tackles. And that's why I feel like um, Ross Cockrell would have been great for this offense yeah. because, or this defense because he uh, steps up and he's really good in run support. But I think having those cornerbacks and those safeties that are really, really good in run support are going to be vital when those big defensive linemen do build the wall and spill the run to the outside. Yeah, I mean, the, the Cockrell thing is still disappointing to me. I, I, I wish that hadn't fallen through. I don't know you know, exactly what the deal with that was, but hopefully there's someone else that can get in. There, there's a few options we both outlined on, on. I outlined on CBS Sports a few options I want them to go through, and Nick had a very similar list to me. So, um, so just check those out if you want to get some ideas of who else we're looking at but time will tell that will be fluid but overall i like the direction so there's my optimism i just think that 2020 it's a little rushed when you look at a depth chart that at boundary cornerback features james bradbury Corey ballantyne i mean after that it's like where are we on this depth chart and then like you said even the slot i have massive expectations for darnay holmes who's looked awesome so far in training camp and had another great day in padded practice today but that's still a projection, and he's a guy who's never played the slot. So, you know, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot to take in. I think the Giants have one of the worst – The I've, I think they have one of the shallowest depth charts at boundary cornerback in the NFL, and I think they have one of the weakest too overall. And I'm just somebody who so strongly believes that coverage matters that it, it's tough. But I like the direction. So before we head into today's practice and we start to talk about some of the good things, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Wurzland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary TheraGun, percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler and these fillers are potentially toxic by the way. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic. Grown in the US and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover body bomb for targeted relief and sleep aid. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire, all one word. If you don't love what you get, from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. But only until Labor Day, go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. 
All right, before we break down some of today's practices, or today's practice, some of the notes from practice, and then kind of dive deeper into each individual player and development on our own, I did want to give a shout out to those who made this possible, and that's uh, all the reporters who are actually on attend- in attendance at today's practice. Like we said, I've been at training camp the past two seasons, haven't had a chance to get out there this year, there's limited media access, but that's not a guarantee that that's a done deal. I'm, uh, I still may be able to get out there as things kind of I guess normalize or just kind of open up a little bit. Nick was supposed to be there this week on Thursday for Thursday's practice, but that looks like it's not going to happen either. But we're both still trying to get out there. So definitely a shout out to guys like Art Stapleton, who uh, tweeted out a lot of what his takeaways were. Um, Big Blue Interactives, Eric Kennedy did a great job of breaking it down and summing up practice. And there was a 20-minute video with Sean O'Hara and Paul Dottino on uh, YouTube that I checked out. And that was also really insightful stuff. So again, we're taking it all in. We're doing the best we can with what we have to work with. But some, some, some definitely uh, develop. You know, um, some notable developments today. The quarterbacks apparently look sharp in drills. Jones and McCoy. Um, and again, like I said, Darnay Holmes with another impressive practice today. He had a really, really good pa- uh, play where he made a diving interception on an end zone pass from Daniel Jones to Golden Tate. He's quick out there. He's instinctive. He's everything I saw and that got me excited about him when I focused on his 2018 tape. Again, remember, 2019 Darnay Holmes, you go watch him, you're going to have problems with him. He's playing through a high ankle sprain. Some people don't like to blame the injuries. I know me and Nick have a little bit of difference of opinion on this, but I, I've seen it way too many times where players are trying to tough it out because that's the type of player they are. They're never going to sit out through an injury, and that's what I think Holmes is. If you look at his background, he's really been through a lot. Um, he detailed it all in a Players' Tribune piece that, if you haven't read, is a must-read. But he's going to play through injuries, and now he's fully healthy, and he's looking quick, instinctual, instinctual out there. He got praise from Joe Judge to some extent. He, the fact that Joe Judge even talked about him, he's not talking about basically any player, says something to me, uh, says he's coming along. And he said, you know, other rookies, blah, blah, blah. But he mentioned him. He's coming along fast. I'm excited about Darnay Holmes. Your thoughts, Nick? Darnay Holmes, hey, everything I heard from everybody that was on the beat today out there in New York Giants practice, they were praising him, and you saw some of the clips on Twitter. He looks very fast, man. He's undercutting the routes, great timing, uh, great disruption at the catch point, it seems like, in like the two clips that I was able to see. Again, we're going off a limited limited videos right now but it seems like it's high praise and that that is this time of the year you're going to hear a lot of high praise on you know undrafted guy and things like that whenever something happens if they make a nice play in practice you're probably going to hear praise from it so you got to take some of it with a, a grain of salt but in terms of darnay holmes i do feel like he can be a good player yes that 2019 was concerning to me but I think if you stick him in the slot, I wish he had longer arms to possibly put him on the boundary. could be a liability there, but you can't fully rule it out at this point either. You can't. I think it should be an open competition there. And everything that he's doing early on, this is his rookie year, and what a crazy year it's been for rookies for really anybody. I think it's uh, eye-opening. And the fact that you're right, Joe Judge talked about him, that's something. Because Joe Judge didn't say Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley's name for like the first four months having the job. So I think that's really good uh, for the young player out of UCLA. Yeah, no doubt about it. Keeping him on the defensive side of the ball, a couple injuries, well, just in general from the injury front, something that really stood out to me was that everyone who was at practice, all the onlookers, all the reporters said, Ryan Connolly is moving well, really, moving really well out there. That is extremely important. There were concerns coming back from the ACL that he wouldn't be ready for week one, that he wouldn't be ready now, and this would be something that would take him time. If he's back there and he's moving like he was pre-injury and that's what it sounds like, 
he has the smarts, in my opinion, to pick this defense up fast. And I think he's going to be a huge, huge, huge member of this defense, have a big role on this defense. And that's a big development for me. I'm really excited about Ryan Connolly. Actually, I'm going to have a piece put up soon. It's the good, great, ugly piece for Sports Illustrated featuring Ryan Connolly. And I really just talk about his quick first step, his really decisive nature when it comes to reading his run keys, keying and diagnosing and taking good angles to the ball carrier. So I really liked a lot of the stuff I saw on his film. And we, Dan and I talked about it when we were on the podcast. We, I think we did two podcasts until he ended up getting injured because we started this you and I started this podcast together week three of last season. We were like, yeah, man, number 57's out there. He's balling out. Obviously, you're really affiliated with him because he's a Wisconsin Badger, but he's somebody I'm really excited about. Makes me think, what is this nickel-dime sub-package? What is this sub-package defense going to look like with Blake Martinez and with Ryan Connolly? Like, I, I'm really excited to see how that's going to be used. Yeah. And sadly, we don't have preseason games to really flush that out. But there are other players, too, that looked really healthy after coming off the injuries, too. But before we dive into that, I do want to mention this on Connolly. You mentioned it's this is what I look for when I'm evaluating players. He comes out, and the Giants basically in interviews confirmed that what they really were most attracted to about Connolly was his quick first step. Then it completely aligns with the combine, where in his 10-yard uh, split, he runs the third fastest time of any linebacker at the combine since 2006. Then you put the tape on, and you see exactly what bears out there is that he is elite from that standpoint as a quick first step type of guy who reads his keys aggressively attacks downhill and guess what just because he doesn't really look like an elite athlete if you just watch him at the combine or if you look at him in the locker room i had a chance to interview him unfortunately it was after the game where he tore his acl because it was also an incredible game i was at that game it was jones's first start against the redskins and I talked to him in the locker room. He was definitely down. We talked a little Wisconsin Badgers, of course. Uh, that was fun. But he was definitely down, and you could tell. But he had an unreal game. I mean, he had an interception that game. He had to get a sack. And he had a couple key plays, in, 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 uh, both in the run game and rallying to passes underneath. A couple, a couple times where he broke up screens, Yes, too. rallying yeah. to screens underneath. I mean, he was all over the field that game. He was the best defensive player on the field. And they don't win that game without Connolly because the offense was okay that day. But the Redskins really did a good job to take away what Jones wanted in the passing game. But the point is... You look at him, he doesn't really look like this elite athlete, but he is elite at one thing, and the Giants have found a way, when he's on the field, again, limited sample size, but they found a way to maximize his elite trait. And that one elite trait is that quick first step. And to me, that provide, he is a really, really high upside player for this defense. Now that I know he's out there moving well and has shown no ill signs, no ill effects from that ACL, that's a really good sign. And it's little simple plays, and if you guys go to uh, Giants country and look at it, really simple plays like using that first step to shoot inside to pick up a pulling backside guard, that doesn't allow that pulling backside guard to get to the second level, and it keeps the play narrow, which really narrows the rushing lane for the running back. Like That's a play that's not going to show up on the stat sheet, but it's really important to the continuity of the defense. And he's, and I have a couple examples of him doing that against the Bills and then against the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. And I think those plays, nobody really recognizes them unless you sit there and you watch the film. But that is a high, it's precocious, man. That is a high mental, high football IQ play from a young player. 
yes. to to shoot the gap that quickly, pick up the puller, and not allow him to get to the second level so there's no space for that running back to go, and then everybody else can just kind of rally around and just constrict the rushing lane. He did that several times, so I'm really excited for him. Yeah, and he's the. I don't think there's going to be much of a mental learning curve, not only because of what you said, he's a high IQ player, but again, these defense, this defense he ran, he ran in with Wisconsin, Jim Leonard, defense he's going to run in here, there's a lot of similarities there. And I think that's going to help him as well pick this thing up fast. And I, again, I think the sky's the limit for him on this defense. I do not think they will ease him back into things the way that he's moving around now because he looks like someone who's completely healed. But another guy who actually looks like someone who's completely healed today and had a really good day out there in the sense that when you, from everything that we've read, he looked super quick, super fast out there, basically like he hadn't lost a step. And that's Corey Coleman, who caught a really nice touchdown catch from Daniel Jones. I watched the route. That one went up on Twitter. He made a really good, nice break. It was also a great anticipation by Jones. This is the little things by Jones. I think in the red zone, one of my favorite little intricacies about Jones's game that I think kind of makes him a prospect that gets me a little bit excited because I have my qualms with Jones. There's a lot that, you know, he's a much better player right now against man than zone. Against zone right now, he's he's a bottom, bottom, easy bottom five quarterback against zone in the NFL. It's unfortunate, but it's the truth. And that has to improve if he wants to be good overall. But one thing I really like about him is in those short area spaces in the red zone, he has really good ball placement anticipation. We saw it on so many of his touchdown throws last year. It's one of the reasons he had those almost record-breaking 24 touchdown passes as a rookie. And this ball was a great anticipation ball, went right to the right right to the exact spot, but Corey Coleman had a really nice break right there in a tight space in the red zone. And you listen to Sterling Shepard, who spoke to the media after practice today, and he basically said it looks like Corey Coleman never had this injury, the way he's moving out there. So again, Corey Coleman is a guy who a lot of people wrote off, a guy with a chip on his shoulder, former first-round pick, and I'm not ready to call it one of my worst calls because I still think he can be that guy. I'm, you know, I'm going to be the last truther on the Corey Coleman train. But when he came out, I liked him a lot as a prospect, not because he had 90th, 90th percentile broad jump, 93rd percentile vertical with a 4.37. It's because when you watched him, he was actually really good at separating. He reminded me a lot of Antonio Brown. It was very interesting. One of those style players, Antonio Brown, Tyler Lockett, those quick separator types. And that still showed, like, when you, watch, when you watch him, even in a limited sample size in that first season with the Browns, we had a really good start to his rookie season before the injury. And then obviously things have kind of tailed off for him in his career. Had trouble picking up the Patriots offense, had trouble buying into Bill Belichick. But with the Giants, he's really been a good camper and really it's just the injury. So for me, I'm excited about the potential of Corey Coleman in this offense. I'm here for the Corey Coleman hype train. I mean, there's no reason to deny it. He would be the wide receiver for, so he more than likely wouldn't, uh, be on the field as much because I don't see the Giants running a lot of 10 personnel but he'll be subbed out there like Cody Latimer found himself on the field for a significant amount of snaps for the New York Giants last year and I think Corey Coleman can be an upgrade on that in terms of dynamic ability in the receiving game whereas Cody Latimer was more of a superior blocker I'm not 100% sure how Corey Coleman is with that part of his game but yeah no I'm, I'm here for that kind of hype train <laughs> I love training camp man the hype trains they they always go off dude and then finally on the injury front, another really good thing, and I saw this a little bit last week when before they hit the padded practice, they were doing like kind of solo drills, and I, and I watched the way he moved, especially one of, on one of the routes, he made a really nice uh, double move for, for kind of just like a red zone touchdown against one-on-one air type thing, no pads, whatever. But Evan Ingram looks completely healed. He looks right back to where he was last year before the injuries, and that was obviously also a major concern as well. It's a guy coming off of Liz Frank. There was a chance that he would come back in kind of this, you know, 
not fully healed form, not as explosive. He looks just as explosive out there. And that's big because you know us on this podcast, we're also Evan Ingram truthers. Yeah, we are Evan Ingram truthers, and I'm, I'm not... I'm not, I'm not upset by that. You know, I just want him to prove us right at this point. And I think he can. He has the athletic ability. I feel like he has all the tools. It's just you got to stay healthy, and then you got to have the opportunity. You have to be put into good opportunities. And I hope Jason Garrett, and I'm confident I will say that Jason Garrett, uses him in a more vertical fashion, something that Sherman didn't do as much of. Yeah, and then the big theme of today's practice is just simply a lot of receivers beating a lot of defensive backs. I mean, we have... A guy that me and Nick were pretty excited about to some extent just because we felt like there was value in the undrafted free agent wide receiver market because this was a historic receiver class and that drops everyone down a round or two where they would normally go. And that's Benjamin Victor made a really nice touchdown grab over Corey Ballantyne. But, like, let's be honest. If Corey Ballantyne's the starting boundary, he's not going to be facing Benjamin Victor any days. We have Alec Bachman making plays. We have – Oh, Alex – you mean Alex Welker? Is that what you mean? Yeah. <laughs> You're looking really quick out there. The new Wes Welker looking. <laughs> C.J. Board, who they just picked up off the Jags, is making plays, leaping touchdown, impressive catches. I mean, the receivers surely have the upper hand. Derek Dillon, too. Derek Dillon, a really he, nice play, too. That's an interesting guy, too, because he's got speed that you don't see with really anyone but Coleman, I think, on this roster, let's be honest. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, there's no, Slayton, not a lot of... Bur- but not really. I mean, I think, that da- I think Darius Slayton, uh, he's... I mean, he, he ran... Get, when he gets threes. going, yeah, he can he get definitely. going, but I, I think those guys are kind of the off-the-line-of-scrimmage bursters, but... Drayvon Askew Henry, though, he's the one... Uh, Derek Dillon beat him for a nice touchdown. I think that's floating around Twitter. You guys could probably find yeah. that one. I mean, listen... It's the theme. And again, these drills, let's keep in mind, these drills are definitely advantageous to the receivers, okay? Let's be honest, and there's no pass rush. The timing is perfect every time for the quarterback. (laughs) They're throwing from a clean base. Like There are a lot of reasons why the receivers would win this, but there are also some balls that are going to be put up there that I'm just worried a lot about Corey Ballantyne in 50-50 contested catch situations. I... That's one of my biggest concerns with Corey Valentine um, on see, the outside. See, athletically too, man. I think he—it's got to be a mental thing with him. I mean, technique as well. He's a six-round pick from uh, Washburn. Washburn. Exactly. I mean, he's never—he's Benjamin Victor's one of the best receivers he's ever matched up against. Which is on the outside. Lie. I mean, obviously he played last year for the Giants. Significant yes. stats. I don't want to take away from that. But a lot of those were in the snap. I mean, in the slot where he's not going to be this year and where he should have never been last year. Exactly. I 100% agree. So it's going to be a learning curve there. But yeah, those are some of the big things. And then a couple other key takeaways from practice I thought were interesting. The offensive linemen look big. They look good. And I, I'm starting to get excited a little bit about a couple of these guys. Matt Pert has had that good rep that we see. On the, and we're not trying to get too excited over training camp reps, but just the way he looks and just the way he moves and how smooth he is, it's exciting. There, we've read that Cam Fleming looked good today, um, that Andrew Thomas is picking things up quick. So they have guys there that they didn't have last year at tackle, three new faces there. And, and and it's definitely interesting. You know, these are highly athletic players compared to what they had at the position last year. There's no denying that. Yeah, Matt Pear especially. There's two clips floating around Twitter right now, one against Lorenzo Carter, the other one against Marcus Golden. I think they're both run game clips, and that's what we want to see. We want to see him be physical in the run game, be able to push edge players off said edge and kind of just dominate them at the point of attack and he did well it in both of those reps he drove his feet hands were inside he uncoiled his hips through the block using his core strength and his lower body strength to kind of maximize his strength overall and those are little technical things that you want to see so I'm, i'm excited for that because the thing that we are a little bit more confident about with pair 
is his footwork and his ability in pass protection because we saw that at the Senior Bowl. It looked pretty solid, but to see that strength, to see glimpses of that strength, and just these two little clips, it, it definitely uh, lets us as Giant fans be like, okay, well, there's there's something here, and we're not even expecting anything from Parrott this season. So that's something else we have to kind of keep in mind, too. We're not expecting much from him. We don't even expect him to start, but if he's doing this early on in camp, maybe we'll see him uh, out there on Sunday. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting sleeper thought. Um, one thing I found interesting, and I actually liked watching these clips, is, and maybe it's just, I mean, me and Nick watch so many of these stupid training camp clips throughout the past two years and we don't want to make too much of them we're not going to try to you know we're going to try to temper your expectations for something we're not going to overblow it but just hearing mark colombo drive 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 feet 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 with mm-hmm. with working with pert right in their face loud it's just something i feel like i didn't pick up on a lot with how hunter i don't know what the deal is with how hunter i don't even under really really understand how he got the job or any job he's out of the nfl this year highly doubt he was out of the nfl before Shermer brought him He's a good friend of Shermer's. Like, he brought him back. It's nepotism. I mean, call it what it is. But I guess. But, like, now they actually have someone in there who's in the face of these linemen, who's teaching them. They said, you know, Will Hernandez talks about him like one of our own. This is a guy who they want to rally for. And to me, it's going to make a difference. It's got to make a difference. This is one of the most highly teachable positions out there. You know something I'm going to be very frustrated about on the low key? The Denver Broncos have Mike Munchak as their offensive line coach, who is one of the best offensive line coaches in football. And if Pat Shermer and Melvin Gordon can establish that damn inside zone out there at Denver, I'm going to be so freaking pissed off, dude. <laughs> and Melvin Gordon is going to be a good fit for that inside zone, too. And so is Lindsey. Um, yeah, yeah. And they're going to – like, listen, I wrote a whole – when I was still writing for Giants on 24-7 Sports, I literally wrote a 1,000-word article about why one of the Giants' most biggest priorities that offseason should be to pay Mike Munchak whatever the hell he wants to bring him over as offensive line coach. That's how good important I think having one of these – like, there's like three or four elite offensive line coaches in the NFL – and if you have one of them, it makes a massive difference. I think Colombo, who I wouldn't call one of these elite guys, but I would say is in this like next tier of like, okay, maybe this guy could evolve into an elite offensive line coach. They haven't had that in years here with the Giants. Like They actually have an co- offensive line coach that I can get somewhat excited about just from you know the upside standpoint. The, the ceiling's super high there with Colombo. So it, that's just a little thing that like stood out to me and I really liked. Yeah, one more thing that I uh, also like to hear coming out of camp is that Joe Judge is making professional athletes who are 30 years old run laps when they screw up. It could be a 5, 10, 15-yard penalty, I think Sterling Shepard said in a game, but here we're going to have to pay for the mistakes we make in practice, and I kind of like that precedent being set, and I don't necessarily remember something so enforceful like that with the previous two regimes. This is kind of reminiscent of Tom Coughlin. Let's hope uh, let's hope we get two Super Bowls out of him, though. You know what I'm saying? Shocker. Marine Corps Nick, and by the way, core, not corpse. Marine <laughs> Corps Nick uh, love, loves this idea. I, 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 I'm, I'm more on the uh, middle ground here. I think it could burn them out. I think it could burn these players it out. It could. It could. I'm it, not, like, sold on this. This is not – I know a lot of people have seen this on Twitter. I'm like, yes, yes. A lot of people with the American flag in their avatar. No, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> <laughs> not going to go down that route. But, you know, this is kind of more fluff to me than uh, – this is kind of one of those fluff pieces type deals. I'm not going to get too into it yet. Now, it's something we've been promised the whole time. Joe Judge came in and said we're going to run intense practices. We're, this is going to be completely different. He wants to go full pads, full hitting all the time, which the NFL won't let him do. But he promised a more intense training camp, and I've, I've been in training camp the past few years. Let me be honest with you, under, and, I've, and I was there under McAdoo as well for one year. 
it was not intense with McAdoo or Shermer. They did not run intense training camps, okay? Those were almost felt like walkthroughs at time. Everything felt so scripted. This is going to be different. And Sterling Shepard said it best. He's like, we all got to get on board with what Joe Judge is going to do. And I don't think it's that big of a deal, he said. I said, he said, you don't want to run laps and just don't make the mistakes. Simple as that. Don't make the mistakes, and you won't have to run the laps. And I'm a believer that that can translate on Sunday. But the thing is, if it's week six and the Giants are terrible and that message is still getting pounded and you don't have the veteran leadership in your locker room to kind of help enforce – because the players have to to police themselves sometimes. So that is something that you have to consider. Is is the Giants' young roster – capable of doing that i'm not really 100 percent sure but i guess we'll see how it kind of materializes throughout the season but as of right now i do like that mentality i mean of course it's fitting to who i am i guess no i like it too listen yeah. I, I definitely like it too i like something nick gates had to say today i believe it was the one-on-one with uh, art stapleton basically said when i get in there i quiet down the offensive when he now he's talking about transition in the center what's his mindset i quiet down the offensive group i quiet down everyone in the huddle i let the quarterback be the one who speaks out the quarterback who leads the way and I really feel like he's taking on this you know Joe Judge mentioned mentioned or Colombo mentioned it like that alpha role he's a big dude in there and and as by the way Mark Colombo said exactly what me and Nick have preached how many times on this podcast they need someone big at center to anchor to, to lay down the anchor and have functional play strength and you know he didn't say it but it doesn't feel like he thinks Spencer Pulley is that guy uh, John Rapio is not even in the picture right now. I don't see him coming back into this thing. His jersey number's already been given away. Shane Lemieux still, in my opinion, weighs away. You can make a bold prediction that maybe he becomes the center. I'm not so sold on that, at least not anytime soon. So Gates is the upside play there. And I like everything I've seen there so far in his transition to that position. I just hope he gets a little bit stronger at the point yeah. of attack. But I do, I, I happen to agree with what you're saying in the sense of, it's. I don't think Colombo feels it's Spencer Pulley. It just doesn't seem like that's the vibe I'm getting. But I'm not in the room, so it's kind of difficult to say. Yeah. All right, Nick, anything else from today's practice, August 17th, that the first fully padded practice, as we've mentioned, that you wanted to break down or any other interesting notes you want to touch on with this roster? No, not exactly. I just think uh, we might be seeing a lot of uh, Pro Bowl wide receivers coming out of the Giants Ooh. training camp. No, not actually Pro Bowl, but oh, just boy. it's just going to come down to these cornerbacks, <laughs> not, be- <laughs> <laughs> these cornerbacks <laughs> not being able to cover guys like CJ Board and Alex Bachman. So. I can't believe it got here. They tried. They invested a first-round pick that they traded up for. They used an early supplemental. Both guys who won't be on the roster this year. They they then cut Janoris, who might have been here this year if things went a little different with him on the field, off the field. It, it's been tough. I mean, Eli Apple should be coming into what? The last year of his rookie contract or the, the option year? I mean, that should be a guy right now. What is he? He was 2015, 20, right? 2016. 2016. So yeah. 16, 17, 18, 19. This, this would have been, been an option year. Yep. So they could have had him on board. You know, if, if no, I'm saying if this pick worked out, it's a top 10 pick on a fucking corner. Excuse my language. I'm, I'm, but it's insane. They've invested so many assets. They've understood the importance of guys who can cover one-on-one matchups in man. But like... Now they're left with none of them. Apple's gone. Beal's gone. And Baker's gone. I still blame Laramie Tunsil for the Giants selecting. Oh, man. I do. They didn't even really have much contact with Eli Apple at all. If that Laramie Tunsil, I stand by this. If that Laramie Tunsil thing never happened, the Giants would not have drafted Eli Apple. They would have ended up getting somebody like they would have ended up you getting someone like Ronnie Tunsil. Stanley or Jack Conklin would have fell to him because Tunsil would have ended up going, and it would have all those tackles would have just shifted down the line, dude. You can blame. Tunsil all you want. My blame is solely on Jerry Reese for evaluating that class 
He's the one who makes the ultimate decision in deciding that Eli Apple was worth a top 10 pick. That is such atrocious. It's it's a fireable offense. If it was his only offense to me, it would still be fireable. It obviously wasn't. He completely misevaluated Eric Flowers, and that's just going into those two offenses right there. It, it, we're not going to do a whole Jerry Reese bash podcast, but I'm going to keep the blame there. Hey, I can't really disagree with you either, but uh, I kind of do. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Anyway. Is, I'm not giving Jerry Reese a pass, by the way. <laughs> no, 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 no. Trust me. Nick, Nick ain't into Reese either. But no, no, I don't think anybody hates Jerry Reese. No, a lot of people do. But I, I, I just can't stand him as a GM. I, 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 it makes me mad to think about how he, went, how he built this roster outside in for 10 straight years with a quarterback who literally didn't need big-name receivers only needed a pocket. That's all he needed for most of his career. How can a general manager get so much hate with two Super Bowl rings? It's kind of crazy to think yeah. about, and that's totally justified, and I agree with everything you're saying, but it, it is kind of crazy to think, dude, this guy does have two 30, rings. 30,000-foot yeah. view, it's crazy. Yeah. When you dive a little deeper and you see that the first roster was a former GM's, basically, besides his draft class, and the second was a bad roster. Like That 2011 team was not a good roster. Eli went hero ball, and the defensive line got healthy and played great in the postseason. It's pretty much the only thing that happened there, and Spags had a really good postseason as well there. And, and, I mean, the offensive line played a little better. Not really, though. You watch that San Fran game. Eli's on his ass the entire game. Yeah, it was Perry, <laughs> Perry Fuel, yeah. Oh, Fuel, not yeah, Spags. Yeah, Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah. Fuel, who, you know, whew, another another hated Giants coach and Giants lore. But, again, I mean, if that roster was a little better, if they had a couple 12-win seasons in there, yeah, I could give him credit. But it was never a dominant team except for that 08 season. Um, and again, mostly a Corsi's roster. The big free agents there were, were the reason they were really good that year. Plax, Antonio Pierce, and um, and Kareem McKenzie, all guys who were signed by Corsi. So. No, I, I feel you, man. Anyway, this is the Big Blue Banter <laughs> Podcast, Talking Giants Football 2020. Back to the future, or back to the present. We're going to be delivering these podcasts, hopefully daily, hopefully, if not daily, a few times a week. Um, hopefully with our own insights if we get out to practice. But if not, we're just going to kind of give you the, the basics of what went down and then dive deeper like we tried to do today and what it could mean moving forward. So if you do enjoy the show and you're new to it, please do us a favor, rate, review, and subscribe to our show on podcast at Big Blue Banter. And if you are also new to the show or if you're new to our show expanding onto Instagram, check us out on Instagram. We're going to be posting clips from the show breakdowns um engagements for everybody that's ny big blue banter on instagram so same thing but ny in front of big blue banter um and as always if you want to follow our work mine on cbs sports nick's on a variety of places including sports illustrated and big blue view you can follow myself on twitter at dan schneier nfl that's d-a-n-s-c-h-n-e-i-e-r nfl and how about you nick i am at nick falato i keep it very simple n-i-c-k-f-a-l-a-t-o All right, that's it for today's show. Keep it locked and loaded on Big Blue Banter. We will talk to you soon. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, BetOnline. Check all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it will be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Pandemic. 
Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.